0: What's going on, everybody? Tuesday, August 25th at 11.59. Better be midnight. Time to go to sleep. Wanted to do a little pre-roll here to touch up on some of the things that we have going on here. We have a great sit-down interview with five. Justin Robinson, uh, just an incredible kid, a great friend, and one of the best Hokies that there are out there, representing our school in a fantastic way, and uh, gifting us with incredible memories in his time uh, playing for Virginia Tech. So that's exciting. But first... And foremost, like we do every single week, huge shout out to the Main Street Pharmacy. Jeremy Counts, making sure he's holding it down in Blacksburg, making sure that students have their hand sanitizer, their pencils, their books, their backpacks, whatever you need, he's got you covered with all of your back-to-school needs, your masks. He loves Blacksburg, he loves Virginia Tech, and he is there for you all. couple notes, super excited, Uh, this actually dropped now yesterday, as it is Midnight 30. Um, we added Mike McDaniel, uh, formerly Sports Illustrated and fantastic author. Uh, he also is also over at the Hokie Hangover as well, where you can listen to him with uh, Andrew Alex and Ricky LeBlou. So they're fantastic over there. But he will be joining us at the Scribes of Saturday here, um, bringing some fantastic content and joining us. So we're really excited about that edition. Football camp is over. Classes started following the headlines and the statistics. um, We've had some real good, can't say positive, had some really great and encouraging headlines um, with low positivity rates, people following guidelines uh, for the most part, and uh, just staying out of trouble. Uh, Just want to keep it that way. Obviously want to, you know, students to be able to be in Blacksburg, be able to be safe, um, keep everybody healthy. So just please continue to Exercise caution and listen to what university officials and the CDC recommends. I want everybody to be happy, healthy, and safe. So please, please, please continue to do that. Also, really want to watch football as well, um, but that's not more important than being healthy. So please continue to do that. Uh, The last note that I have here for you, mark your calendars. If you're listening to this, the day this drops, which would be Wednesday, Tomorrow or Thursday, August twenty seventh at six PM, we will be hosting a chapter cheers in conjunction with the Virginia Tech Alumni Association and the Virginia Tech Marketing Department as well. We'll be telling the story of the Sons of Saturday, going over um, this last year and just kind of our growth, what we have in mind, and kind of what we want to see moving forward out of this. Uh, out of this Sons of Saturday world and thing that we've built here. Uh, Just the incredible people that have helped us get to where we're at and where we want to go. So definitely check that out. We'll be tweeting the link out. Uh, It is a Facebook link where you can get the Zoom information. If we can, I'm not going to promise this, but we're going to try to get a call recording about that uh, to watch after, but we'll have to see about that. But definitely go register for that. Um, But other than that, hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody is safe and healthy. And without further ado, here is the 555 followed by number five. Welcome back. Friday, August 21st. I'm here in Richmond for a wedding. Shout out to Bryce and Macy. This morning I woke up to get breakfast. Flat tire. Had to get that fixed. Got that fixed. Finally got to sit down with our good friend, Five, Justin Robinson. Justin, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? How are you?
1: Appreciate you having me, bro.
0: I appreciate you making time. I know you're a busy man. Uh, Justin Robinson from Manassas, Virginia. One of the best players ever to suit up for Virginia Tech basketball, finished his career at Tech as the all-time assist leader, top 25 in points scored, and was part of the most successful four-year run in program history. A phenomenal player, but also an excellent representation of Virginia Tech as a whole. Just want to check in with you and see kind of what you've been doing. Uh, Can't believe it's almost September here, but kind of what have you been focusing on and what have you been doing lately?
1: yeah I mean just staying ready um working out two to three times a day and just making sure my family's fine, just around the area of manassas uh living out, making sure my mom's good, making sure everything's going well at home um, so yeah, I mean just just staying ready for when my number's called again, and just being ready for whatever's coming next
0: and I've noticed too, and you've been doing this a bunch on your uh, on your instagram we'll talk a little bit about this later on in the podcast but production over height we all know about the clothing line but also have been seeing a bunch about the training that you've been doing how has that been going who have you been working with kind of walk us through what that process is like
1: yeah no it's been good Um, I thought being able to use my platform back home and pretty much give off the knowledge that I've learned through my career uh, with kids in the area who want to reach the same height that I reached and things like that is what I'm trying to Go along with the, the whole idea of my, my company and stuff starting training and just the idea of normally when there's someone training, it's someone who hasn't played at all three levels or they are retired. And me being still active is just kind of cool in my sense of me making time for those and the kids around the area that just like I said, want to reach the height that I reached and stuff like that.
0: And what age groups are you working with? How can you sign up? Just curious for anybody that does want to get involved around the Manassas area.
1: Yeah, um, so uh, we're, we're working with pretty, like, pretty much 10 to 18, like that, that, that range. But uh, either you can uh, contact the, the Instagram page, uh, Production Over Hype Training, or me personally, I try to respond to my request or contact our email at, uh, train at productionoverhype.com. I think overall, like we've had some kids from all over the area, not just Manassas, so it's been good.
0: Fantastic. And let's get into uh, your career a little bit here. Pre-Virginia Tech, you were at Montrose Christian and then ended up transferring to the St. James School. Uh, just out of curiosity, what, what prompted that, uh, that transfer early in your high school career?
1: Man, so when I got to high school, my freshman year, my team was coming off a national high school championship and we we're the best team in the country. Uh, we had guys like Justin Anderson micro career and things like that so my freshman year I spent some time on JV got moved up at the end my sophomore year I got some 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 good burn Played with some clouded players and Ishmael Wayne right Mark Williams and guys like that um then my sophomore year my head coach resigned uh, some stuff happened at the school he resigned didn't want any parts with it um so then my associate head coach and my assistant coach ended up going to St. James so me and my teammate from Montrose uh we wanted to follow them, build something up like we had at Montrose and be a powerhouse. So I think the idea of going right to St. James and becoming a Nike-sponsored school was dope for us and stuff like that. So,
0: And then here's, here's what I found interesting. So doing a little deep dive here. As a senior at uh, St. James, you averaged 21.8 points, 7.7 assists, 4.3 rebounds, 2.2 steals, and were named the Washington County Player of the Year, Gatorade, Maryland Boys Basketball Player of the Year, All-Parade, All-American. However – what people don't talk about is that you are one hell of a baseball player as well. And I saw the quote uh, on your, on your school website, the two sport requirement allowed me to be able to go back to the other sport I loved, which was baseball. It helped me meet and build relationships with individuals that I may have not met otherwise. So just kind of talk to me about your love with baseball and kind of how that was able to help the skills you learn in baseball, help you harness your game in basketball.
1: Yeah. So growing up, baseball and basketball were neck and neck what I wanted to play and what I wanted to strive for in college. Uh, Then obviously when I went to, to Montrose, uh, my, my school didn't have a baseball team my first two years. So when I transferred to St. James, I was able to play again. I was kind of a little bit behind, but I still had the feel for it. I was playing in center field, uh, pitched a little bit. And uh, I still had the instinct of everything. So playing center field, my, my instincts from basketball and being able to, I guess switch directions and stuff like that and be able to judge the ball as well. And one thing Buzz will never tell you when I got to Virginia Tech is I asked him if I could play baseball too or try. And he told me we would talk about it after my freshman year. And well, that conversation never happened. So, yeah, that.
0: <laughs> so I, lo- I love the idea that you were kind of stepping outside your bubble. And I always tell everyone, you know, never say no to an experience and try to build relationships with individuals that you may not be meeting in your little bubble and it is so easy, especially when you do uh, whether it be at tech or high school to kind of get in the athlete bubble and never talk to anyone outside the athlete bubble or talk to anyone outside the football bubble. So I think that's fantastic advice for anybody else that's kind of stuck in a bubble, but then the college decision comes around, you got offers from Maryland, Providence, UNLV, Virginia tech. And before you decide that you're going to Virginia tech, what kind of is the criteria that you're looking for? in the university that you'll eventually go and play at and get an education from. I really was just looking at the idea of,
1: I was in a blessed position to know that I wasn't going to pay, pay for college and my parents were go, like, good off of that. So that was number one. But I think the main thing I was looking for was just a university that when you get a degree from it, it's hard to beat, you know what I mean? And then obviously um, that's when buzz factored into the things, the relationship we built with my parents and me as an individual, was bar none, And that's something that never changed my whole career. So that's really much what I respected him for. My parents loved him throughout the process. And I knew at the end of the day, if I, if I got a degree from Virginia Tech, it's like, I mean, there's so many alumni out there that are doing well in life, whether they are an athlete or not. So I think that's kind of the thing that I thought about when the ball stopped bouncing what I could rely on.
0: And what kind of went into that, uh, and we're going to talk about Buzz in a little bit here, but what kind of went into the recruitment? What was it like being recruited by Buzz Williams? And what other assistant coaches that did you really develop a relationship with from the tech staff?
1: Yeah, so Buzz is really different. Every other coach was telling me, like, we're going to give you the ball. We're going to let you play right away. You're going to be the next this, the next that. The first time I met Buzz, he told me I was bad, didn't think I could play for him because of how he would rip me apart. And I think that was just different. Like, he told my mom – he had no evidence to bring me in on because Virginia Tech had finished last place in the conference two years in a row. And I think that's kind of what, like going back to my high school choice of going to St. James and trying to build something up, I wanted to be a part of that, that program rebuild and the change of culture again. So I think being recruited by Buzz, he'd uh, you know I didn't sleep at night, so he would call me at 3 o'clock <laughs> morning after a game or after practice and be like, man, I can't wait till you get here. I love the guys here. I can't wait till you get in the group with us and then we can all just take off and go for the ride.
0: And then you go at, you step into Virginia tech. And early on you had the, uh, you had a position where you were sharing minutes with Seth Allen uh, and Seth Allen, fantastic point guard transferred from the university of Maryland as well. How impactful was Seth both on your career on and off the court? And how did he aid in your development?
1: I mean, it's, it's very, a small world, how things work. So obviously I was getting recruited by Maryland and Seth was just coming from Maryland. So he gave me some insight on things like that, but also the idea of our hometowns being 20 minutes from each other and our, us just having that relationship that when we went home on breaks, we would hang out and just be each other's guys. And like it is now, I let him work out with me, works out with me. And like I have him to the and he has me. So I think that's the main thing that came from that relationship early on, but going into my freshman year to be able to, share minutes or learn from someone like that and just have film sessions and him teach me breakdowns of certain tag reads or ball screen reads and things like that is a blessing I'll never be able to repay him for. And I tell him that all the time we're working out. Like if it wasn't for him, I I really don't know how my career would have panned out. He just taught me so much and seeing like his development from my freshman year to my sophomore year was like, wow, like he actually matured and gave into what Buzz was doing.
0: And what else, what else kind of went in? So you arrive at Virginia Tech as a freshman and it's funny to go back and watch, uh, you know, you playing with Seth, got no hair. It's your first time playing. What, uh, what were some of the key things that Buzz and the rest of the, uh, and the rest of the coaching staff had you work on to build up your game, uh, your first couple of years there?
1: Yeah. So my, my, uh, head recruiter, when I was getting recruited by tech was Isaac Chu, Coach Chu. And, um, I mean, he was my guy. Like, he he ended up leaving after my freshman year, but we still have contact to this day. And pretty much the main gist that they were letting me do is they gave me the ball early alongside Seth and Devin, and they let me pay, play through my mistakes. Like, any other coach would have ripped me out and sat me on the bench. But I remember a game specifically, I can't remember the game, but I think I had a slew of turnovers, probably four or five. And Buzz called timeout, uh, put the towel over his mouth and said some things I can't repeat, but... Like, for him to do that, take the time out and actually show that he cared, and, like, he's like, I'm not taking out the game. Like, you're going to play through it. You're going to learn from it. It's, like, a big testament to who
0: he is and how he treats his players. And that's a great kind of transition here. I wanted to ask you, so this NIT run was a huge success and obviously set the table for everything moving forward. So as you look back on that NIT year and that first tournament run, as you were kind of setting the table and laying the bricks, what did the team learn – Going through those, whether it be finally pushing through in the NIT or you know, those tough losses where you learn where you learn from. What was what was the culture that was being established? That was the big word that Buzz has always talked about.
1: I think every year in my career we had one game that was a, a learning, a learning game where we lost. My first year was Alabama State, my first game of my career. And I'm like, man, we're going back down that path of finishing last in the conference again. And that's not me. So literally, we're like, yo, we gotta change something. Like Buzz that was our learning game. Like, it's your first game together. You guys think you're better than what you are. Um, like, let's let's learn from this. I mean, we had a hard week of practice, but after that, we did well, and then we went to ACC play and made the biggest jump in ACC history. But I know we all sat down as a team in the film room and was like, yo, like, we might have a chance if we win these last five ACC games to go to the NCAA tournament, not the NIT. And then it came to the point where that game, Alabama State, came to haunt us. But, I mean, it was a learning experience. Like, I didn't know any better. Like my first year, I went to a postseason tournament. I'm, I'm thinking it's normal and it's really not. So I think that was the main gist of everybody. Like we all were trying to get back to ground level and see light to be on the same side and on a winning culture.
0: And then junior year, you're finally handed the keys and you obviously got to jump in minutes uh, and got a jump in starts. But what I noticed from the statistics looking back at your junior year was you became extremely efficient. You were a 46% shooter, essentially a 40% three-point shooter. So that entire summer, that entire um, spring as you were getting ready for your junior year, what were you all really honing in on as you knew you were going to have to take the keys here and you'd be running the show?
1: So I think overall the idea of everything that was going on with me in terms of my summers when I went to Chris Paul camp and learning from him, I think the whole idea of everything like that was just the stepping stone for me to – think in my mind, like, I'm really becoming who I think I can be. And, like, just that whole year, my junior year, when I was playing well, it was just straight up, like, you know, my teammates trusted me. They are giving me the ball. Like, give the ball to j Rob, Let's play through him. Like, he's going to get us open. He's not going to force stuff. And then thinking conference play, average 18-7. So it was like, wow, like, you're playing the best conference in the country against the best players, and you're doing that. It's like, now you are who you really think you are.
0: So you mentioned it there, the, one of the most difficult schedules and the difficult gauntlets there are is the ACC. But I don't know if you sat down and actually kind of tallied the different point guards that you were playing against that year in, two, uh, in your junior season. You played Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Colin Sexton, Joel Berry, Ty Jerome. You know, you go up and down the list, and this is night in, night out. Yeah. So, you know, how did you prepare for these matchups, and what kind of goes into it when you know you're playing a Shea Gilgis-Alexander, or do you approach every opponent the same?
1: Yes, I I think it's kind of the same idea of approaching everybody the same, but that goes back to Seth. Like, Seth may be one of the best one-on-one players I've ever played against, so guarding him every day in practice is like, I mean, my freshman year, he was literally kicking my butt every day in practice, so it's like, all right, like, you learned. My sophomore year, I, I was holding my own, like, I'm good now, so then when he left, it was like, all right, put me in a great position to, against those names, I mean, like, for example, we played Shea, he wasn't really in his stride yet, but it's the whole idea of like being on that stage. Like that's what you live for. So when we played at Kentucky, I played really well when we played against all those big teams. I think I had good games, but that's just me as a person. I'm a competitor and guys that have the hype over me or don't that want to come from my spot. I'm like, all right, let's compete for it. So that's really the whole process that I've done my whole life and who I've played against. Like that's why I did the whole production of a hype thing. Like my numbers don't lie. You can have the name, the hype around
0: you, but Like, when you get inside those lines, that can't save you. And then you look back over that season and a bunch of learning opportunities as well. You go into Virginia on college game day weekend. They're about to be number one. You beat Virginia at Virginia. Um, Just kind of walk me through the emotions of that game and kind of everything building up to it.
1: Man, it's great. So we we played Virginia at home, and they beat us up and down. So we're like, man, like college game day playing for number one. And, like, Buzz being Buzz, they have the video on it. Like, we're literally in the locker room. You're thinking he's going to give huge speeches. And he's like, nah, like, let, let's get quiet. Like, let's be calm. Like, just ease everything out. Like, we don't have any pressure on us. Like, we can play your game. We can incorporate our game into it, too. And then they want to run early. And, like, literally we can't hear anything in the arena because it's so loud. So we're doing play calls. And then I'm still on a good, sh- good streak. I, I just killed NC State. And then – we go to UVA, and it's like buzz. It's like, well, I'm just telling you now, I have, like, when the shot clock goes low, all we're doing is setting the ball screen for you and letting you make a decision. So, I mean, we win or lose, and it's going to be on you. Like, no, no pressure. But that, I accepted it. I loved it. So, when we went there, man, I went down. I forget what happened. We turned it over. I think Ty Jerome comes back, shoots a mid-range, ties the game, and then comes back down, shoots a long three. He had been hitting those threes, like, like week one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It goes up, I'm like, no, miss it. So we go to overtime. They go on a huge run, and, like, it just showed our experience. Like, we go on a huge run, everybody's doubting us already, and we're like, no, nah, we came back. I mean, I, I smoked the layup for the game. KJ got it. I think it was better. Got the m one. It's just like, we did it. So, I mean, I, you see the fans crying and stuff. But it was a good moment. Like, obviously, it's your rival, and they're playing for number one. It's like, all right, let's do it.
0: I remember it was either the week after or a little bit after. And um, I was asking, I was was like, Are you, you were acting weird until the buzzer actually hit. And you were like, Yeah, I was mad. I was mad I missed the layup. I should have made, I should have made the layup at the end of the game.
1: For sure. I mean, that's just how I am. I mean, obviously, I was happy we won. Sure. I'm like, I'm waiting for the buzzer to go off because I'm like, like anything can happen in this this game because of how we just came back. And I'm like, please, like we got to win this game. So when we win, it's like, I'm getting interviewed on ESPN. The fans are cussing me out behind me. I'm like, this is crazy.
0: And then going into 2018, 2019, and it seems like it seems like that whole season, everything that had been building, whether it was from from your freshman year, and I remember uh, Ahmed when he tore his patella his freshman year. It seems like everything that had happened was leading up until this this season, this senior season with you guys. From the end of the Wisconsin game all the way up until first kick, uh, all the way up until tip-off that season, what's kind of going through your head? What is the vibe of the team? You guys are bringing everybody back. You know, how are you guys preparing? What is the expectations that you guys put on yourself leading up into that season?
1: I think we knew we were going to be experienced. Um, We didn't have that many new guys coming in. And it was just like we're a senior-led team. Like Buzz is a player's coach, so he led us. Our summer workouts was all development. It wasn't like – team concepts, because we already knew it from the year before. Um, And the whole idea of, like, we started getting all that, like, preseason top 25, 15, 16. And us being so old, we're like, damn, like this is what we work for. But that's not the goal. Like, the goal is to go as far as we can. And, like, obviously we have three, what, three people who had graduated early. Um, So our experience level was good. We got Nikhil returning back. Everybody thought it was going to be a one and done. Um, and then things like that, like the whole idea is like, yo, whatever happens, we're making it to a tournament. We're going to try to win the ACC. And we have, we're in that position. Like we have the, the tools to do everything that we want to do. And then some stuff happens. We lose some players. Some stuff with NCAA happens. But it's like, yo, we're still really good. Like we're a great team. And like the whole idea was, well, when we make it to a tournament, we're not losing the first round. Like that's what, that's whatever has happened. So that's really the goal that we had set the whole, the whole year.
0: And you alluded to it here. Um, This was not a season without adversity. Um, You know, you lose Chris Clark early. You, uh, you get injured after the Syracuse game, eight assists, 35 points, your best game as a Hokie, uh, 70, 70% from the field, nine of 13 from the three point line. Uh, Just kind of walk us through that, that game. Like what was, what was going through your head, just completely in the zone the light was all the way green. What was it? What was it like to kind of feel like you were at the peak of your powers there?
1: Man, it literally my teammates are like, yo, when I give you the ball, shoot it. Like you're not missing. So when I give you the ball, it touches your hand, shoot it. Like that's what we want for you. Shoot the ball. It's like the way Syracuse plays our zone. All right, like I we had what, three people shooting over 40% from three, and I wasn't one of those people in that game. So it's like, all right, like, well, uh, I start hitting, now take me away. Now you're just going to leave Ty and Med open. So you got to kind of give up me to have the opportunity. So when I start hitting, it's like the way Buzz is so smart-minded with how he attacks the zone, we had so many outlets to hit. So I think that whole game, like, I'm, like somebody told me before the game how close I was to the assist record. And like playing against the zone, I'm like, there's no way. Like There's no way I'm getting at this game. Like it, there was like, it's going to be perfect to get at home. I'm like, I'm not getting at this game. Like, there's no way. And then I just start hitting threes, and then Ty's looking at me. He's like, chill out. Like, you're about to break my record. I'm like, I got to do it. <laughs> so, that happens. And then literally the day after, like, we're all talking about the assist record. Everybody's talking about the assist record, and Ty comes to me. He's like, I don't care about the assist record. Like, I'm going to break the record for she's C-7 for the three-point line. And I'm like, all right, like, I respect you. I'm going to give you the ball. Like, shoot it. I know what's going in. But just that whole game, that whole feel, like, hearing the crowd chant, stuff like that, it was, just, it was great, man. It really was.
0: And then let's talk – you can't go without talking about this. Uh, you have the foot injury after the Miami game. Um, and, you know, by all accounts, had to be one of the most difficult things that you can go through as a player. I want to ask you, well, first of all, what what was the actual injury that, kept that, that you were out for? There was a sprained ankle. There was high ankle sprain. You know, what was the actual injury that kept you from playing for so long? Man,
1: school? I got so many tweets about people saying I could use their toe. I... <laughs>
0: I heard turf toe. People were saying you had turf toe. I was like, J-Rob's not missing three weeks with turf toe.
1: Come on, man. But, no, nah, I broke my foot, um, had surgery. Uh, the doctors were trying to tell me I was going to be out three to four months. I, I wasn't accepting it. I, I started working my, my butt off. I rehab three times a day so I could get back from my team. Um, just the idea of being blessed. I did everything, acupuncture, PRP, everything you can think of to try to get back to be able to play. I think um, just the idea of going through that, like, I'm not gonna lie, I was in a dark spot. Like, I, I was in a very dark spot. My parents knew it. My teammates knew it. My friends knew it. And I, I just thought, like, that year, like, preseason, getting all those uh, watch lists, um, I thought that was my year. I thought that was the year I was gonna make first team all ACC. Um, then I, I come off, like, the best game of my career, like you say, against Syracuse. And then, man, I'm, I'm going to Miami. I'm in a great groove. I got 17 points in 19 minutes. Go for a normal layup and come down. Like, I feel my foot pop. And I'm like, the trainer comes over. He's like, yo, what, what happened? I'm like, I think I broke my foot. I'm not, I'm not even going to hold you. He's like, no way. So I walk off to the locker room. He's like, you're walking on it. I'm like, well, my pain tolerance is just high. But then the whole time, like, missing those 12 games, like, breaking the assist record, being 25th on the score list, whatever you said, like. Twelve games, I my numbers were jumped. So it's like, man, I broke the assist record by a good amount, but I'd have broke it by a hundred plus. And mm-hmm. but yeah, just the whole idea of like keeping everything under the wraps. Like I, we thought it would benefit our team, benefit my career and stuff like that. Like everybody during pre-draft they found out, but everybody was saying I was getting all text messages, tweets, <laughs> uh, oh uh sprained ankle, and I'm like like y'all know me better than that. I'm not going to sit out for a sprained ankle or a broken toe.
0: So as you're going through this, you know, this, this tough time, who are you relying on? Who are you leaning on? Who reached out to you? Uh, who helped you get, who helped you get through it?
1: Uh, funny you asked that. I mean, just the whole time when I'm going through it, it really helped me realize like God's timing and it let me see that I can affect the game without bouncing the basketball. Like, when Buzz literally let me call plays or draw up stuff in timeouts or coach our team or Nikhil and Beatty are asking to watch film with me so they can learn certain reads from me while I'm out, like I just think it allowed everyone to elevate their game and then just be ready for when I came back. But like through the whole process, like I tried to hang out with my teammates as much as possible. I was with Ned every single day. Uh, we were roommates on the road, so he was trying to keep me up. My parents used to say, That's why I really respect my parents. My parents came to every home game that we had and I wasn't playing. So it's like their support was beyond me. It was for the love of Buzz and the team. And I think them making surprise visits and just people around campus, like I'm walking around campus and people are wishing me luck, praying for me and stuff like that. Like it's Hokie Nation is really amazing. So, oh, add on on to that. uh, Crazy, I, I watch IT a lot. I watch his documentaries and I was hurt. And then um, he reached out to me, so I'm like, "Wow!" And then fast forward, we become teammates. It's like that's crazy.
0: We had talked about this before uh, about kind of you guys going through something very similar at this, at the same kind of time. Is he was a guy at the complete peak of his powers, and you know, I watched I watched just about every game of that uh, of that Celtics season, uh, and just to see a guy who was completely at the peak of his powers, and you know, you have everything telling you to to quit or that you're not going to get back, and just kind of that mentality of, now that's impossible. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how to do that, uh, and just to keep pushing. What, what, what was the conversation like with Isaiah, and how did he help you get through that?
1: I believe it's this day. I, I still remember he texted me. He was like, hey, and kill. you never knew him.
0: You had no connection with him at all. Never knew him. Uh, my,
1: my old high school coach had worked him out in Miami, and he told him like, hey, like my guy, um, he got hurt. I needed to reach out to him. So he texted me. He was like, hey, killer. Um, Got your number from Micah, and I just wanted to let you know, like, I've been through something bad, too, but you got to realize, like, during this, this recovery process, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like, you don't <laughs> want to rush back. Like, do all your will and power to get back to normal. So, like, my trainer, it was his first year, Eddie Binion. We had just learned, lost Ernest. Um, and for him to, like, value my time and me value his time and do everything the way we did and build a relationship – it's a credit to him. Like, I tell him every single day, I text him every month, and I just tell him I, I'm thankful for him and I'm praying for him at, at AM. But, like, his his vision came to life. Like, we thought I was going to be ready magically God's will on senior night, but Buzz wasn't going to do that. He, that's how he was. He's like, I'm not rushing you back. Five, your career is not worth it over one game, so you can play in front of Castle. time. So I just think that whole idea of, like, not giving up and knowing things were going to be fine is the the main gist of how everything was going through that recovery project.
0: And I know it must have been disappointing not to play on senior night, but you did get that last moment in front of everybody. Uh, And, you know, Buzz alluded to this several times, but what did it mean to you to have that moment to be able to come out and quite honestly look up in the stands from when you are a freshman that, that stadium is lucky to be 30 or 40% full. And on your senior night, you get to come out and see Castle Rock one more time. Yeah. And just kind of what's going through your head, looking through that packed house, coming from where you guys came from your freshman year. It just all
1: came full circle. But the whole idea of me being able to walk out there with my, my family and pretty much hear my mom tell me like, son, like this is really what you were part of building up was touching to me like I. People saw it. I got emotional, and that's just because I wanted to play so bad. Like I put my all into the program. I just wanted to be able to do it one last time. But the last time I played in front of them was the best game of my career. So it's like, I mean, that's a high point. But also like being able to go out there and get a standing ovation and things like that is just it was a blessing to me. Like I I tell you all the time, like Coke Nation is really remarkable, and it's something I'm always grateful for. So to be able to have the gesture. From the opposing team to do that for me and Buzz to even think about it was was a great feeling. So,
0: and then you step into the tournament run, and I gotta tell you, it really it was like a dream. Like I was like talking to all like even the, the football guys we were watching it and texting about it, and it was like seeing the videos. And Buzz did a fantastic job of uh, of kind of documenting over video everything that goes on with you guys and seeing you guys practicing together. The behind the behind the arc videos, the posts post-game locker room videos, you know, you guys are looking around. You're at the tournament. You're a high seed. You're advancing, you know, get past the first round, going into the second round and even into the third. What is it like to be living in that moment where, you know, four years we've been building for this, Overcome, overcoming injury, overcoming tough losses, overcoming everything that you guys have overcome together? Um, kind of what, what was that like in the moment there? Yeah,
1: those previous two years we had two first-round exits. and Like I told you, like, that feeling was something that
0: you never want to feel. Like you get that. And they weren't like easy. They weren't they were like in the game all game, tough tough losses. That,
1: that first tournament year when we played Wisconsin, they they were easily a so much more experienced team. They got the Nigel uh dude, they got uh, Ethan Hack, yeah uh what is it, Koenig, whatever his name is, number 24 that list. Uh and their experience, they ended up going to the Sweet 16 or whatever they did. That was a tough matchup for us. We had the, the worst 8-9 C game possible. Then we go play Alabama, and then John Petty has the game of his life. And, yeah, we have that controversial charge call against me, and it's like, well, it wasn't meant to be this year. But being in the age of a tournament, those lights get right. Like, that first game we knew was a revenge game since we had lost to St. Louis at MSG. We're like, you know, we're going to beat them. Like, when we got that matchup, we're like, we're not worried about them. And then Liberty ended up upset Mississippi State we're like, yo, this is God's will. We just played an exhibition game with them at the beginning of the year. So Liberty comes out. They're hitting everything. We're like, dang, this is a really good team. So we go in the half. And the thing that was really eye-opening is the players that don't talk a lot in the locker room talk in the locker room in terms of, I just want you all to know, like, we're good. <laughs> we're going to win this game. We're going. We're making it out. Of, that was our goal. Make it out of California. We're going to D.C. Like, make it out of California. That's all we got to worry about. We're making it out of Cali. So once we're in those bright lights, we start playing well. We're in a groove. We're experienced. Just all the pieces coming together, like I was saying, when I was injured everybody was growing up themselves and just putting everything back together.
0: And then the Duke game. And for everybody that knows, you know, the NCAA tournament, you got 68 teams. 67 of them are not winning the NCAA tournament. And like I said at the beginning, you guys were clicking on every cylinder in that basketball game. That Duke team – multiple picks in the lottery, a legendary coach, very, very well coached. And you guys, I mean, those last 40 minutes were special. Like, I, I know in the moment, you know, all you're focused on is winning the game and you guys put yourself in a fantastic position to win the game. But seeing Ahmed out there, seeing Ty out there, seeing you out there, what were those last 40 minutes like with the, with the group together?
1: I mean, who would have thought that we would have been playing a three sixteen 16 game in D.C. Yeah, in D.C. against Duke. Like, Duke is supposed to be the the powerhouse, powerhouse. And yeah. then you hear people are like, oh, it's Virginia Tech. And it's like, okay, like, that's fine. But, like, we're that team now. Like, we're technically yeah. finished as a top 16 team in the country, if you want to put it that way. But that whole game is like – it's just a game of runs and we know that like everybody's the whole hype is about me and Zion, but I'm like, I'm not even worried about that. Like as long as we win, I could play the worst game of my life. If we win, <laughs> I'm good. Like whatever, but we were all clicking. Um, and then that last possession, literally we shot those threes because um, we're in a timeout and Buzz, I told you, a player's coach, he's drawing up a play to go to the basket. And me, Ty, and Matt look at each other like, so I said, Coach, I can tell by their expression, we don't want to go for two. Like, we're going for the win. We're here, let go big or go home. Like, we're going for the win. Like, that's what happens. Yeah. And true. he's like, all right, what are the odds? We set a team with – we set a screen with Ty. He slips. He hits a three. So we draw the play up. Ball slips. Ty misses. We get the ball back. And then the perfect grand play by Jamie, uh, the missed layup. Uh, but everything was clicking. Like, perfect, really, and executed play. And then it's just God, God's plan wasn't us to go to the lead eight.
0: An unbelievable moment and a team that will live on forever. One of, the, one of the best Virginia Tech teams, regardless of sport, regardless of every, anything. And before we move past your Virginia Tech career, I just want to ask you, Virginia Tech fans is probably one of, the most, one of the most splintered subjects that there are. And the frustrating part about it is Buzz Williams can coach the hell out of basketball. And Buzz Williams has nothing but the utmost respect from the players that he coached. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you, what does Buzz Williams mean to you and what impact has he had on the team and the players that he had come through that program in those
1: few years? Um, words can't really describe it. Like, that's really my guy. Like, um, he never switched up on me from the day he recruited me. He was the same guy the whole time. Uh, very family oriented. He was like a father figure away from home or a brother figure, whatever you want to put it. And he taught us stuff about life. Like it wasn't about basketball. He didn't care if we scored a point as long as he could benefit you and whatever's going to happen after basketball, he was okay with it. He got everybody to buy in. We go through the boot camps. Everybody's playing hard. Everybody knows what it takes to do that. He has the the reunion. Jimmy Butler comes back, Jay Crowder, all his former players and everybody's telling stories that sound the exact same. So it's like he's never switched his whole career and Buzz being Buzz, he takes those gritty guys, those underrated guys, and puts them together and makes one great unit. but him as a person, like bar none, I talk to him all the time. if there wasn't corona right now, I'd probably be at a and m working out with him making making new uh, relationships with them and stuff like that but buzz as a guy, like when people talk bad on his name for leaving or whatever or whatever they want to take from it, they don't know the background story, and it like it boils my blood a little bit in terms of I don't see how you could have hate for a guy or anything like that for what he did to the program. Like, he gave people the best four years of their life in college. Fans, excitement they haven't felt in over years. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, how can you hate on someone like that? He made a decision for what had to happen. And for people to talk down on his name and stuff like that, it just irks me because it's like, like, you're a fan and all, but like, you got to really realize like what was going on and what
0: happened. And I think the way you got to judge, the way you got to judge a coach is based upon what are his players saying about him and what was the end result. Cause at the end of the day, he's brought in and his checks are are written to win basketball games and win basketball games. He did and set off some amazing young, young men to go off and do whatever they're going to do. Post-grad speaking of which, I want to ask you, what have you learned your first years in the tank here? Uh, When the NBA, you played at the Garden, saw you played at the Garden. That was fantastic. Got to play some awesome places. Got some G League burn as well. Um, What have you learned in your first year um, after college here in uh, the professional world?
1: Um, The professional world is all about uh, timing and opportunity. Um, Like, I'm very grateful for the Wizards every day that they gave me the opportunity to even sign a deal mid-draft uh, gave me the opportunity to put my foot in the door, gave me the opportunity to learn and meet great people, have good vets, uh, be around guys like John, IT, um, Brad. Like I still have com- communication with them to this day. Um, I think that people don't really understand though how the, the G League and assignment and all that contract stuff works and everybody wants to act like they do. But I mean, the idea of being on a, a straight NBA contract and playing in your hometown in front of your your family and your dad seeing you reach your lifelong dream like in front of his eyes is like the best feeling in the world. Like everybody, it has its ups and downs of being at home, but literally, if I wanted to, I could drive home in forty-five minutes. Um, then, I mean, it wasn't God's timing that I stayed with the Wizards. I got released, uh, was playing well, but I mean, just the the idea of GMs calling me and Stuff like that, just to come there and be in the organization and knowing that my name's in the mix for a lot of stuff. Ten days, uh, bubble talks to go down to the NBA bubble and things like that is a blessing. Like I like at the beginning of the year, I was one of the four hundred and fifty people in the world. Like that's some people that nobody can say. Like I lived out my dream. Like it's it's far from over, but I touched somewhat of my dream. So that's the main the main thing.
0: And as you eye twenty twenty one and your NBA future here um what is the most important area of improvement for you right now As you have this time you know everybody's kind of you know everything's in limbo but you have time to really kind of hone in on your craft and work on what you need to work on so what has kind of been and whether it be on the court or off the court what have you really been focusing on here
1: um i think just training my mind like 2020 has been a, a rough year for me uh like i said I got, I got released i lost my dad so like the whole idea of like building a bigger, better relationship with God has been my focus. Um, like, I never would have thought at 22 I would bury my dad. I never would have thought. That was my first time in my life I got cut from a team. Um, like, it's just the whole idea of seeing the big picture. Like, once you see the guys in the NBA, like, a lot of their their past aren't straight. Um, I was trying to check in on some of the questions that were being asked yesterday, and some guy asked me if I gave up on going to the NBA. And it's far from it. Like um, Like, my name was in – considerations of having contracts still in considerations now talks with my agent. It's like, people can say what they want, but like, like I, the brand I have production over hype. my numbers will never lie. If you put me on the court and give me a real opportunity, as you saw on MSG, I can, I can do it. Like I can play at that level. I just think the whole idea of what I'm trying to get better at is I was training my mind, like knowing that when one door closes, another one opens and not to really dwell on the past.
0: It's a fantastic way to look at it. And, you know, definitely, definitely a tough, uh, a tough year in 2020. And it's good to see you on the straight, normal path, finding ways to get better and finding ways to look at the positives. So that's a huge, uh, that's a huge testament to you and finding ways to give back to the community as well. Production over height. We talked about the training that you've been doing for kids between the ages of 10 and 18, but also you've given back to the community with the military appreciation shirts and also the Hearts Matter, which was dedicated to your father, where you worked with the American Heart Association. What do those, those two organizations mean for you? And, uh, you know, what else do you have in the works with uh, Production Over Hype coming up here?
1: Yeah, so um, the whole camo idea was inspired by uh, – I have three best friends that I grew up with that are – there's one in the Coast Guard, there's one in the Marines, and there's one going to the Marines. So the whole idea was like, I mean – let's make something for you guys too. Like I have the platform to do it. Um, So when you're on duty, you can wear it like that. I think that's dope. Like, so I have a picture of my friend with his uh, rifle right beside him. And my other coast guard friend is sending me a picture. So I think the whole idea of those two on the organizations was great. And then obviously my dad passed from a heart attack uh, unexpectedly. So I think the idea of being able to raise money to, to find some stuff for the American heart foundation and research and stuff like that, it was just, It's like a good feeling to me. Like I know that's what my dad would want and not for me to really be down, but find ways to help others. And that's just who he was. So that's what I've been doing
0: and carrying on his legacy. That's fantastic. And where, and where can we find it? If somebody wanted to get themselves a shirt or check out your website, where, where do you go?
1: Yeah, just go to um, productionoverhype.com and um, there's links to everything on there, the shop, the training, I'm everything. It just has videos, uh, has some breakdowns of what the actual vision and, goal and motto of the whole message is fantastic
0: so the last two the last two sections that we have here we're going to get into rapid fire brought to you by chesapeake center for complete dentistry if you walk in and you say sons of saturday you get 50 percent off of your teeth bleaching so for those of you that have not so white teeth head over to the chesapeake center for complete dentistry and get yourself some teeth bleachery uh so for rapid fire first thing that comes to your mind don't feel limited to one word but right. here we go Favorite players to study? Uh, Chris Paul and Shabazz Napier.
1: Toughest, toughest matchup? Uh, Jason Tatum and Shea when we played the Thunder.
0: Favorite place that you have played on the road, both in the league and in, uh, in college? Uh, JPJ and Madison Square. LeBron, Kobe, or
1: Jordan? Jordan. Um, I'm going to say Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. Okay. Television show. What are you watching?
0: Um, right now I am on Impractical Jokers. Impractical <laughs> Jokers. I wouldn't have guessed that. Okay. Impractical Jokers. And if you weren't playing basketball and you weren't playing baseball, what, well, what did you study at Tech?
1: Um, I was a communications major with a minor of business leadership. So what would you, what would you have wanted to do if you weren't playing ball? Um, honestly, I wanted to get into have a nonprofit for special needs kids or be like a, a PE teacher, or give some way back to kids. Uh, obviously a sports broadcaster is like the, the high goal, but those are like, the right. right in between. Gotcha.
0: So then our last section here, letters from a lunch fail brought to you by Sharkies. j what's your favorite Sharkies wing flavor?
1: Um, I would just have to say normal Buffalo.
0: Wow. Normally, but normal Buffalo Mile. So letters from the lunch trail. We have some write-ins here from Hokie Oriole. J-Rob, thank you for all the great memories at Virginia Tech. What was your favorite memory as a Hokie?
1: Um, I think the overall greatest memory was all the ones I spent with my teammates and my, my team. Uh, obviously getting to meet those around campus as well, but I think just having a family environment and just brothers that I have for a lifetime was a great feeling. Like I, obviously I could single out some games, but I think the overall gist of our family atmosphere and you always seeing us being together on the court and being there for one another is a feeling I'll never forget.
0: Matthew Neal thank you for the memories five how long did it take you to reintegrate with the offensive flow in advance of the NCAA title run? Um, It's kind of like riding a bike uh, I was kind of a coach when I
1: was hurt um, Buzz let me do that and I was there every practice whether I was uh, rehabbing on the sideline while watching the new plays or things like that but I studied so much film when I was injured, and that's like the the key gist that I was saying of how I learned that I can impact my the the game without bouncing the ball and find different ways to learn.
0: Chris Gibbons, when are you taking? Where are you taking someone to eat if they are visiting Blacksburg for the first time?
1: Um, breakfast, we're definitely going to Joe's Diner. Um, lunch, I might go use my swipe at a, a Western <laughs> sure. and then okay. Denver, I might take them to. What is it, kabuki?
0: Kabuki, um, I did? the one over in Christensburg. Yeah, the one right in Christensburg. So what are you getting at West End? Um, probably go
1: with a steak and some lobster. Steak and lobster over at the chop house? With some mashed potatoes and a white roll, for sure. You get the, what gravy do you get? You get the mushroom gravy, you get the turkey gravy? I
0: just go straight roll and mashed potatoes. No gravy. no gravy? No gravy. Interesting move, interesting move. Chandler Jones, thank you for all the memories and what you did for the program. I've always said that the way you carry yourself for the program and the excitement that you brought was similar to Tyrod Taylor. Is there a former hookie athlete that inspired you in your time at Virginia Tech?
1: Oh, man. Um, I would say while I was at Tech, the, the relationships I built with like Malcolm Delaney, um, Eric Green. Um, and then when I was there, obviously, Seth Allen, we touched on it earlier. Um, But, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, you see Mike Vick, um, you see guys like that, like that were going through the football side and all the athlete side, and you still got people that I was there, like, watching the wrestlers go, uh, hearing about the track team, seeing the women's soccer team succeed, um, stuff like that, like, just trying to be inspired by everybody that was there at my time was something I tried to do.
0: J.J. Singleton, what was the driving factor in creating your company, Production Over Uh, It's just my life motto. It's what I've always done.
1: Um, the accolades I had in high school, I still somehow was a four-star on ESPN. that wasn't top 100. So that's something that sticks with me to this day. Um, I'm, I had 27 offers to end my senior season, but I was still overlooked. So I think all those guys that were on the draft boards when I was going up through college it's like I'm, I'm killing you guys night in and night out, and my numbers don't lie. You guys are getting all the hype, but once we play inside, like in between the lines, my numbers are gonna outdo yours, and that's kind of what I incorporated throughout the draft process. I'm going to these pre-draft workouts, 16 teams. I'm killing every workout, killing every player that's in front of me, and just knowing that I was that guy, like I was one of the best players technically in the world, is kind of cool to me. And just that's why I have it. Production over hype will never will never let you down no matter what aspect you're having in life. There's going to be someone in a corporate job that's going to get more a raise that doesn't deserve it, but it's all about you producing and just staying true to it.
0: That's a fantastic answer. And last, and last couple questions here for you. I'm curious. So what is your, what is your relationship with uh, everything going on at Virginia Tech now? Have you talked to Coach Mike Young? I know you still know Abisa Beattie. Um, you know, how do you think that they're going to be able to continue and build on the success and the platform that you guys had really established over your time?
1: Yeah, uh, I've met Coach Young, who's a great individual, a great coach. I went down for the pit game, got to see the shoot around. He has a basketball mind. Um, I think when he gets everybody on the same page, they have a really good chance. Um, yeah. Like I said, they they won some games last year that were very unexpected to the fan base, so kind of set a standard that was really high early on and broke some expectations, but you just got to stick to it. Like you don't always start off great, but as a Hokie, hockey nation and a fan base, you got to stay with them no matter what's going on. And just the idea of uh, BD and Reese and all them still being there. I try to tell him I'm going to come down and see him, but I mean, it's kind of hard right now, but even like the academic advisor, at least we have the, the zoom calls with the current players right now and talking to them about our experience academically and basketball wise. So I think the, the relationship is still there. Um, I hope to continue to build it and keep it better and learn that staff and meet them, but they got a chance.
0: Jay Rob, I really appreciate you taking this time uh, on this Friday. Uh, as we end all of our shows, I want to give you the opportunity to, for shout outs, where can people follow you? Part and message. Do you want to leave with every, everybody kind of plug anything that you have going on here?
1: Yeah, I think just I, I'm grateful for you having me on here as always. You know, you're my guy. Um, I'm just blessed like uh, to be able to go through four years at Tech, turn the program around, have the biggest turnaround, be the the all-time assist leader, be considered as one of the greatest athletes ever at Tech. It's like that's something I didn't dream of. So I think the whole idea of being able to reach my dream and playing the NBA and knowing that. I'm going to stick to it and have a long career in the NBA and just things like that. But obviously I, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, things like that. And obviously just trying to build up my, my company and my brand and just go give us some, uh, some love at production over hype uh, on Instagram. And then our, our Twitter is crud overhype. So P R O D overhype, just things like that. So I'm just trying to use my platform and give back to others in the process.
0: Excited to see what's next for you, J Robin. Looking forward to catching up with you again soon. Best of luck, my friend. Appreciate you, my guy.